Letters 32 to 38 of The Power of Sympathy or The Triumph of Nature Founded in Truth by William Hill Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letter 32 Harrington to Worthy, Boston. What ails my heart? I feel a void here, and yet I verge towards my happiness, for a few days makes Harriet mine. Mira say I had better not marry her. What could prompt her to use such an expression? Better not marry her. She has repeated it several times, and with too much eagerness. I give no heed to it, and yet uh, why should it affect me in this manner? Is it an artifice to fathom the depth of my love? Such schemes are my utter aversion. It disturbs me. I hate such artifice. You cannot imagine how it touches my heart. Adieu. Letter 33 Mrs. Holmes to Myra Bellevue it is the duty of friends to be interested in all the concerns of one another to join in their joys and to avert the stroke of danger it is the duty of a sentinel to give the alarm at the approach of what he may think such and if the result does not prove to be a real evil he has but performed his duty and the action is meritorious if your exertions to countermine the connection of your brother with harriet should prove ineffectual and do not fail to acquaint me with it either way, I have a tale to unfold which may possibly forbid the bands. Letter 34 Harrington to Worthy, Boston I find my temper grown extremely irritable. My sensibility is wounded at the slightest neglect. I am very tenacious of everything and of everybody. A party was made yesterday to go on the water. I was omitted, and the neglect hurt me. I inquired the cause, and what think you is the answer? I am no company. I am asked a question, and return nothing to the point. I am absent. I am strangely altered within a few days. I am thinking of a different subject, when I ought to be employed in conversation. I am extravagant in my observations. I am no company. They would persuade me I am little better than a madman. I have no patience with their nonsensical replies. Such wiseacres do not deserve my pity. Farewell. Letter 35 Myra to Mrs. Holmes, Boston Your letter is filled with such ambiguous expressions that I am utterly at a loss to discover your meaning. I have, however, sounded him on the article of marriage, and the result is... He loves Harriet most passionately, and on account of my father's aversion to early marriage, will marry her privately in a few days. The oftener I read your letter, the more I am perplexed and astonished. You have a tale to unfold. For heaven's sake, then, unfold it before it be too late. And as you dread the consequence of keeping it secret, by disclosing it to me, you will prevent the mischief you so much deprecate. I am all impatience. Adieu. Letter 36 
Harrington to Worthy, Boston. I have just left Harriet. But how have I left her? In tears. I wish I had not gone. Mrs. Francis had entrusted Harriet with some trifling commission. It was not done. She had not had time to perform it. Harriet was reprimanded. Yes, by heaven, this Mrs. Francis that had the insolence to reprimand Harriet in my presence. I was mortified. I walked to the window. My heart was on fire, my blood boiled in my veins. It is impossible to form an idea of the disorder of my nerves. Harriet's were equally agitated. Mrs. Francis saw our confusion and retired. She left me so completely out of temper that I was forced to follow her example. I kissed away the tear from the cheek of Harriet and withdrew to my chamber. Here let me forget what has passed. My irritability will not permit me. My feelings are too easily set in motion to enjoy long quietness. My nerves are delicately strung. They are now out of tune, and it is a hard matter to harmonize them. I feel that I have a soul. Every man of sensibility feels it within himself. I will relate a circumstance I met with in my late travels through South Carolina. I was always susceptible of touches of nature. I had often remarked a female slave pass by my window to a spring to fetch water. She had something in her air superior to those of her situation, a fire that the damps of slavery had not extinguished. As I was one day walking behind her, the wind blew her tattered handkerchief from her neck and exposed it to my sight. I asked her the cause of the scar on her shoulder. She answered composedly, and with an earnestness that proved that she was not ashamed to declare it. It is the mark of the whip, said she, and went on with the history of it without my desiring her to proceed. My boy of about ten years old was unlucky enough to break a glass tumbler. This crime was immediately looked into. I trembled for the fate of my child, and was thought to be guilty. I did not deny the charge, and was tied up. My former good character availed nothing. Under every affliction we may receive consolation, and during the smart of the whip I rejoice because I shielded with my body the lash from my child, and I render thanks to the best of beings that I was allowed to suffer for him. Heroically spoken, said I, may he whom you call the best of beings continue you in the same sentiments. May thy soul be ever disposed to sympathize with thy children, and with thy brethren and sisters in calamity. Then shalt thou feel every circumstance of thy life afford the satisfaction, and repining and melancholy shall fly from thy bosom. All thy labors will become easy, all thy burdens light, and the yoke of slavery will never gall thy neck. I was sensibly relieved as I pronounced these words, and I felt my heart glow with feelings of exquisite delight, as I anticipated the happy time when the size of the slave shall no longer expire in the air of freedom. What delightful sensations are those in which the heart is interested, in which it stoops to enter into the little concerns of the most remote ramification of nature. Let the vain, the giddy, and the proud pass on without deigning to notice them, let them cheat themselves of happiness. These are circumstances which are important 
only to a sentimental traveller hail sensibility sweetener of the joys of life heaven has implanted thee in the breast of his children to soothe the sorrows of the afflicted to mitigate the wounds of the stranger who falleth in our way thou regardest with an eye of pity those whom wealth and ambition treat in terms of reproach away ye seekers of power ye boasters of wealth ye are the levite and the pharisee who restrain the hand of charity from the indigent and turn with indignation from the way-worn son of misery but sensibility is the good samaritan who taketh him by the hand and consoleth him and poureth wine and oil into his wounds thou art a pleasant companion a grateful friend and a neighbour to those who are destitute of shelter from thee author of nature from thee thou inexhaustible spring of love supreme floweth this side of affection and sympathy thou whose tender care extendeth to the least of thy creatures and whose eye is not inattentive even though a sparrow fall to the ground letter thirty seven mrs holmes to myra bellevue twelve o'clock at night i cannot rest this affair lies so heavy on my mind that sleep flies from my eyelids your brother must discontinue his addresses to harriet with what should i not have to upbraid myself if through my remissness your brother marries his sister great god of what materials hast thou compounded the hearts of thy creatures admire o oh my friend the operation of nature and the power of sympathy harriet is your sister i dispatched the bearer at this late hour to confide in your bosom the important secret adieu letter thirty eight myra to mrs holmes boston accept my warmest acknowledgment my good friend for your kindness your letter sufficiently explains your former anxiety it has removed all ambiguities your servant entered hastily with the letter and gave it me with evident tokens of its containing a matter of importance. My father was present. I broke it open, not without agitation. I read it. But the shock was too severe. It fell from my hands, and I sunk into the chair. My fainting was not of any duration. I opened my eyes and found my father supporting me. But the idea of Harriet was still engraven deeply in my heart. I inquired for my sister. The tear rolled down his cheek. It was a sufficient answer to my inquiry. He said nothing. There was no necessity of his saying a word. Could I ask him to explain your letter? No. My heart anticipated his feelings. The impropriety struck me at once. You have a tale to unfold. Do not delay to unfold it. Adieu. End of letters 32 through 38